screen. Our desperate plea to get noticed by Wizards of the Coast. Please, I, I like my job, but I'd like that better. I mean, I would basically <laughs> kill any two of you to uh, start writing D&D books. There's only two of us. I about to say, hang on. <laughs> <laughs> should we introduce ourselves before threatening to murder each other? Yeah, they should know your names. Well, you least, do it this time then. At Sorry. least they'd remember us. Right, so I'm Matt. Uh, with me, as always, is Alex, and for the rest of time, but not the first episode, is Swaga. Robert R. Swaga to you. He wants to be fancy. No, I... yeah. Well, a little bit. To be fair, uh, that's your name to anyone who hasn't known you forever. Yeah, that was a constant battle. I've only known him, like, one ever. Yeah. I still call you that, so... Yeah. And I can't stop. So, the topic for today (laughs) is... Uh, the topic for the day is non-combat encounters and how to create them and run them for your game. Ironic, considering you started by threatening to kill us. Also, Threatening um, to kill people is a very viable form of non-combat encounter if your intimidation works and they believe you're capable of it. That is coercion. If you ever played Oblivion, that was part of that stupid pie you had to keep using. I actually had an interesting conversation. I forgot about the pie. It was the worst thing. The pie. <laughs> that pie. What is this? Like, every conversation is, okay. I'm going to tell you a paragraph in which I say a nice thing, lie to you, and then threaten to kill you. Also, here's $5. Look, that pie... Okay, we can all agree that, um, like, diegetically that pie sucked ass. It was really soothing. Like, I really enjoyed making sure that the largest slice of the pie was in the best place over and over again. Look, it's like... I was just wandering through various towns, talking to every person, making sure they all loved me. And then I would be like, alright, that was a good relaxation, I'm gonna play a real game now. Yeah, no, it was like when you played, like, Bioshock, and you're having this fun, tense shooter, and then you stop to play Pipe Dream for five minutes. <laughs> you need this thing that doesn't make sense that's different. Or Mass Effect 1, where you're driving the Mako around and jumping on people. And, like, yes, it doesn't make any sense, but I like terrible, unreal, like, somebody spent five minutes yanking the, uh, yanking with the Z-tool to make a mountain range. <laughs> I can't think about Bioshock without thinking about the Emo Bandito, and every time it made me frown a little bit. Yeah. Um, well, to be fair, it was in a 50 society built by, by fucking Ayn Rand. Thanks, so. Ayn Rand. I mean, it could be worse. It could be Bioshock Infinite. You weren't even allowed on that one. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the Tea Party Sky City. Please stop punching us, pirates. That game is so good, though. Seriously. (laughs) You use a grappling hook to punch members of the Tea Party on a spaceship. It's great. I will say, without spoiling the ending, I was perfectly happy to just keep going through alternate realities and killing the guy I hated. Like, I will go through all of them. It only takes a second to murder somebody. Just let's just keep going. (laughs) Yeah, it's like some Highlander shit. Oh, but everyone you kill, the next one gets stronger, right? No. No, you get stronger. That's Highlander shit. Oh, I was thinking of that one fucking Jet Li movie. What was it? You guys ever seen that? I think it was The One. That was it. The yeah. One. It's just multiverse Highlander starring Jet Li. I like Jet Li. I he's, am. He's jumping through time and space, murdering himself. So. <laughs> I am super down for that. It's pretty dope. Let's bring but, it back in, boys. So the. God. That was nothing. I I had a conversation with someone once about how to use combat skills uh, during a conversation-only module for, I believe they were building a Shadowrun module for the video game, but fine, this is applicable to to real games as well. It uses the system, it's fine. Yeah, um, they were were trying to figure out how to create a a only dialogue-based, no combat scenario and still incorporate people who were good at combat, and I just said... Well, obviously, you just let them use their combat skills to intimidate people. 
What? Okay. Yeah, but everything's just so, intimidated at that point, or you're just kind of yeah. So I'm it's gonna, like an obsidian game where, like, well, if you have the skill, it pops up as a dialogue option. So the way I see that working is like, I don't know. You're talking to someone on the street corner because you said Shadowrun, right? Yeah. And yeah. you have the face talking to someone, and the combat guy says, "I roll attack and strength to fucking body this newspaper stand." To make a point, like a punctuation in the conversation. I can kind of get that. I slice it in half with my hand razors. Yeah. yeah. All right. Shadow run. I don't know. Is that kind of what you yeah, were? Yeah. No, that's, that's basically where I was going with that. Yeah. Because, so, uh, especially for this, because it's single player, but like any, I feel like anything, you can kind of incorporate the fact that everybody's got something they're good at into, and, a, into a non-combat scenario. And that is fair, but that's still, uh, one of the bigger things when I'm trying to discuss the idea of having a non-combat encounter is that it always worries me in tabletop games, everyone is constantly defined by how they fight. Like, normally, I do this all the time, too. Whenever I'm designing a character, I basically only know how I'm gonna kill a dude. So, I have two thoughts on that. First, uh, is that we should define what we mean by a non-combat encounter, and the second is that we should have a long conversation for the rest of the podcast about that exact question. What? You mean uh, we shouldn't <laughs> sit around for three minutes and talk about Bioshock? <laughs> Bioshock was good. good anyway, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we all agree on that. Two out of three, at least. Right, well. So there's a lot of things that are not combat. Uh, and the one that we've mostly talked about so far is, like, role-playing... Well, everything we're doing in a game like this is role-playing, but is uh, conversational. Right. So, like, lying to people, intimidating people, uh, telling people the truth. Uh, <laughs> That's pers- insane. Persuading people in some way to do whatever you want them to do, whether it's through actually rolling a persuade check or, uh, like, a series of nonsenses. On that note, um, oh, I was going to say, like, how do you feel about having conversational skill checks? That is... That's point number... Number three. Number three. <laughs> on the list of things I want to get to. Look, we're using my phone to record. I don't have the list. Well, well... When the budget increases, we'll get you a list. Okay, okay? so first thing I want to do is... Buy a mic. Well, I've First thing I want to do in the scope of this episode of the podcast, smartass. I'm pretty sure that's why I'm here. Yeah. Well, that or on the Twitter. So I mean, you, again, you have been doing have this as long as the rest of us. <laughs> no, but it will be up soon. Okay. It'll be up by the time you hear this video. Hey, everybody, subscribe to our Twitter. It's I called, think it's uh, following. I think it's following. Yeah, you don't subscribe. Look, look. Uh, we play pen and paper RPGs and have for like I think twenty ish years each. No. So uh, we don't know how the internet works. Maybe One of y'all yell out an at, and I'll see if I can get it. No, no. <laughs> at no has definitely been taken by now. <laughs> It's one of those things that would have or wouldn't have been taken. Like, it's absolutely, or for some reason it's not. So look into that. Yeah, um, postscript here, I have definitely checked before this is put up. No. Okay. Um, so, obviously there's conversational non-combat encounters. Uh, there are other things that fall into that remit. Uh, I think the most, I've thought of the most common ones that I could come up with. Um, crafting things, like building stuff with your character, whether mm-hmm. it's... Uh, just your character at the forge building a new piece of armor or, like, creating a magical item or... Some kind of nonsense you need to use in your given environment, like a barricade. Yeah, there's... Uh, I actually saw a good Kickstarter for uh, an interesting crafting thing that I will pick up, review, and then eventually, like, talk about. Dude. Um, there's puzzles. Uh, finding, you know, a misspelled word on a statue or, like, a series of glyphs or a bunch of levers attached to a pig... 
in the center of a series of nine. I have a lot of questions about that pig. But... That okay? <laughs> yeah, actually, like I feel like we should buckle down a, more, a bit more on the idea of run a puzzle because that could be damn near anything. Like, how would we go about that? I mean, I I usually define a puzzle as a obstacle to progression uh, that requires some form of logical problem solving in the absence of npcs okay thank you mr webster but <laughs> i think um side note i think this is an episode into itself but go on <laughs> probably but it's just the ultimate idea of like it's difficult to like have a puzzle that makes sense for players again probably something we shouldn't dive into too hard here but like like what you're saying they're talking about like the misspellings that's kind of a visual cue how would you make that work in a handouts yeah handouts yeah um, no sorry, likes... kids. There's going to be extra work involved. No one likes to make them, but they're so handy. Get a <laughs> printer. I like making you handouts. You like making them, but I feel like you're an outlier in that. I definitely am. There you go. I made I made you guys that map, and then I burned it. Yeah, you did. <laughs> and it Why is my... every map burnt? Because this one was in a fucking plane crash. That's fair, and it was part of a terrifying space war. Also, pirates cool. are fun. Yeah, but it's like whenever you think of an old map, it always got burned at some point. Look... Statistically, every book will eventually be set on fire. I don't think that's true at all. I mean, the eventual heat death of the universe, we have 100% book well... burning. No, the heat death of the universe, uh, you're thinking of when the sun expands and cooks the earth uh -huh. with its corona. The heat death of the universe is actually when nothing catches on fire again anymore. It's when heat dies. Oh, I'm going opposite That's there. very literal. Yes, it is the heat death uh, of the universe. Right, so let's bring it back to non-combat encounters. No, I'm going to stick with this existentialism now. So that's a puzzle. Uh, there's also traps, which, depending on the system you're using, are either puzzles that kill people or a skill check that kills people, uh, which comes to my next point, which is just skill challenges, whether they're like map reading or survival in the wilderness or... Um, that's the only two I can come up with off the top of my head. Those work. Uh, Those are interesting and specific because for certain non-combat encounters, I like I wouldn't expect for that kind of thing, like wilderness survival. I'm not a hunter. You're a hunter, but I don't think it'd be fair for me to, for you to presume that I know how to skin a deer. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, if it's like a persuasion check, I should I should be able to persuade someone of something. So I think there's a very clear delineation non-combat skills that are going to have a mechanical and then a performative like component to them does that make sense that definitely makes sense uh that's definitely something i'm planning on getting it or i'm planning on us getting into and my nor my personal thought on it is usually that if it's something that can be portrayed at the table in one way or another you don't need a mechanic for it uh the the only other thing i have on my list of of uh types of non-combat encounters and i'm sure there's more that someone could point out uh is is horror because uh, a lot of horror based things are just kind of an atmospheric or a strange situation a character finds themselves in that they have to react to like if you're in if you wake up in a room where everything is all the furniture it appears to be on the ceiling and then you realize that's actually the floor and you're on the ceiling and also the walls are made of meat uh, that's a non-combat encounter that you have to respond to, 
but it does it doesn't involve leaving or is the door it now fucking li- should I'm like is the doorknob now licking me as i try to get out <laughs> the door's uh, that's out. that's when i start setting things on fire and never stop but well uh well in true D fashion when you panic fire is the correct choice yes and fire I- and more fire can solve anything <laughs> that's not true you learn that in your like first campaign we'll we'll save the licking subject for the fetish episode uh, you're joking. In one of my lists, I actually have a way of trying to figure out how to incorporate sex into your game. No, dog. The answer is usually don't. No. Look, I I can do the sex in D and D or sex in RPGs uh, thing for you right now. Fade to black. Yep. Welcome to our TED talk. It's over. <laughs> well, every D and D game should be rated for partial nudity. Moving on. Please don't sue us, TED Company. Um, Turner, come on, TED, don't fuck with us on this. Uh, does that stand for something? Who knows? Um, presumably the company. <laughs> Once upon a time, uh, I had to yell fade to black during a game where someone, <laughs> where the DM's ex-girlfriend was trying to seduce a football player and getting into a really too much detail. Oh, dear. Okay, we're not going to let this green text happen. It, it, so let's talk about, uh, <laughs> let's talk about the thing that we were trying to talk about before I kept shushing people so I could get my list out. Which is no. mechanics of social uh, or mechanics of non-combat encounters versus, versus role-playing non-combat encounters. Okay. So this is basically the idea of just not letting that guy with the good stats be, I rolled diplomacy so they listen to me. Pretty right. much, yeah. Yeah. Right. So my thought on that, and I've had a whole day to think about it, which is not very much time, but my thought on that it's is 24 that, whole hours. Yeah, I know. It's... A whole day and most of your life? Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so my thought on that is... It's like what you just said, I roll diplomacy and then it works, that's lame. So something that I think you've incorporated a lot, and I want to incorporate when I DM, and I try to when I do. He gestured uh, at me when he said oh, you'd incorporate yeah, a lot. Oh, sorry, yeah, Matt. Um, no, that's a good radio right here. Yeah, it's, it's a visual medium, Alex, get with the times. Um, <laughs> I mean, I figured y'all had been filming me, but it's nice to have confirmation. We'll do a podcast but on YouTube. When um, a player says they want to roll something like diplomacy or bluff or persuade... Hey guys, uh, Robert here. At this moment, uh, Alex decided to inhale an entire gallon of... Don't take that drink while we're recording. (laughs) (laughs) Alex decided to inhale a giant uh, gallon worth of orange juice and it sounded really gross and bad and he was dead for like 10 minutes. Yeah, it was rough. It was really bad for the people in the room and then I heard the recording of it and oh my god. It's worse. So we went ahead and cut it out uh, and it sounded kind of weird so I wanted to put this in here and while I have you... Um, thanks for listening and enjoy the rest of the show. Um, so what I was saying was that, um, I think it's in, fuck, I forgot. Hang on. Okay, so we were talking about... No, I know, I'm just trying to remember the exact order of my thoughts. We were talking about, ah, okay, so what I was talking about was, um, not having the face just be able to roll a dice and just have it happen. Mm-hmm. So what, uh, Matt always really works in very well to his campaigns and something I try and do whenever I run something is when someone... <laughs> So, um, when someone says, I roll persuade or bluff or whatever, um, before they roll the dice, have them act out a quick, almost like skit with the DM. Mm-hmm. And you can use it as something where it's like, okay, that was pretty decent. Go ahead and roll it. But you can also use it as something to give them a plus or minus past their normal skill ability. They come with a very good, ex- like if they, if they do a very good job or they... Do a terrible job. Uh, I've also a lot. Um, if if you're playing with like new players who aren't really comfortable with um, 
with role playing. Thank you. That thing that we do all the time. Um, Is that thing where you have a role that you're playing for something? Quiet, you. Uh, <laughs> then I, you know, I'll also do like, okay, describe the argument you're making, or describe the tell tell me the story you're telling them. Yeah. But like, I don't necessarily make them go back and forth with the NPC if they're if they're very new. Yeah, and you can kind of lead them like, oh, Sherlock, you sweet boy. There's a dog here. Sorry. Um, He's going to be a big problem. You can definitely lead them in their kind of like direction where they're going, especially if they're new. And if they, if they aren't, you don't need that water. If they are new, you can kind of, you know, it's hard. And I got really like, sentimental in the last episode. We're going to do it again because it's true for players too. When you're at the table, you do kind of like put yourself out there. Even like yourself's not an elf bard, but you're still representing something that you I mean, probably, it's probably not. Pro- well, on, on some level... You are putting yourself out yeah, there. Your character is a representative, a representation of the the person that you want to be in the world that you've created with your friends. Right, and so for especially new players, give them give them a little room to play and let them just kind of. They're going to be hesitant, obviously, because it's scary and weird. Like my girlfriend won't, and some of them might think it's dumb at first. My girlfriend won't play because she says sitting on a table pretending to be an elf is dumb. And that's just her deal. And some people might feel that way, so... She was willing to pretend to be a space smuggler until the game lied to her. Yes, that's true. So, damn it. Also, she's not wrong. (laughs) She's not wrong. Let's be real. But give them space for this, especially with new characters, but with, like, seasoned players, definitely kind of have that... I think that requirement, because I put this as my play title for this episode. I don't know if we'll adopt it, but since I'm editing now, we will adopt it. (laughs) We're putting the... Put the RP back in RPG... Yeah. Bad. But the point still stands. We're not playing Diablo with dice and paper. We're playing a role-playing game. Preach, sister. Which means you should be playing your role. And you can do that a lot of different ways, which I'm sure will be its own episode. Yeah, we shouldn't be able to solve every problem by punching it harder. What are we, Superman? Side note, there are three Diablo supplements for AD&D. I'm going to fight you. Are they good? (laughs) Yeah, no, they're great. I mean, yeah. Really, that's weird, because, like, it seems... I love Diablo to death. It seems like a kind of generic thing. I really don't. Love it. No. We, we, had, a, we had mixed experiences with it. Yeah, yeah, Look, I'm always on a quest for bigger numbers. Um, I'm also the only person at this table that enjoyed Borderlands, so... Yeah! I liked it. Oh, so that's the outlier there. I kind of We played it. it for five minutes, and then you went, this is boring, and I'm done. I forgot. Doesn't he do that to everything? No. No. Uh, we're still playing Neverwinter Nights. I, we, I, I hyperfixate to an insane degree. <laughs> you got a point there. Um, <laughs> Look, I just want bigger numbers, but that is not why I play D&D. Exactly, yeah. you play D&D to play a character, so non-combat encounters are an integral part of that. Mm. Yeah, because if you're just fighting everything, yeah, go play Diablo. Fuck it. Yeah. No, again, yeah, the, the point of playing this game with your friends... Well, I mean, don't say don't, don't play... Go play Diablo... Play like a skirmish game. Play a war game. Play something that's 100% combat Yeah. Uh, with whatever narrative you decide to ascribe to it. A lot of like encounters or one-shots are going to be pretty combat-heavy because you don't have a lot of time to establish characters. And you but that's, have, yeah. that's why you want a long-form campaign, which I assume most of you are trying to get going here. It is the ideal, I suppose. <clears throat> it's definitely definitely the preference. Um, I had some... I'm trying, to, I'm trying to recall the thought I had about... Oh, yeah. So, you're going to find differences in opinion on uh, social skills and just even the existence of social skills uh, 
vary wildly between people, especially dependent on kind of when they started the game. So, if I could just spitball it here, I'm going to assume at this current table that we are all doing this at, we're not fans. All three of us started during AD&D, which I normally throw into the category of people who skills in general they find a little bit questionable yeah. what does skill check the gm skills. should just pick a thing and be uh roll what's your uh wisdom roll under your wisdom <clears throat> or just roll no. tell me your wisdom i will do math in my brain and act like it makes sense when okay. i say you pass so that's an interest that's a secondary interesting point because alex started during ad and and swaga and i started during second edition ad and which had uh proficiencies built in oh where there was a thing that your care because they didn't have skills or skill points they had things your character was good at and so if your character was good at agriculture or <laughs> dragon lore or something like that it would have a mechanic specifically for like oh dragon lore roll roll intelligence minus four to know this thing about dragons I just want to throw out that as much as we can complain about things being different now because we're a bunch of old farts um, things are so much better for games right now. Look, <clears throat> they got so insanely granular yet vague at the same time. I don't understand how I enjoyed this. I remember in first edition, on your strength, the chart had a specific section labeling the percentage chance of bending iron bars. Hell yeah. That was a main stat you had to know. That's fucking hot. Okay, oh, so... God. I'm going to go the other direction on that. I feel like the loss of... I'm uh, OSR for life, which is old school revival. I find the granularity of games, and especially the willingness of games to uh, just be, like, deadly if you make terrible choices. Oh, no, I'm down for that, for sure. But I just like it, there being an actual mechanic to explain what I'm doing. I'm still trying to convince you guys to play uh, Hackmaster 5th Edition, which... You know how AD&D, if you rolled an 18 strength, you also rolled a D percentile? Yeah. Uh, my sister on her first character had an 1893. That wasn't fair. That is insane. <laughs> that is cheating. It was. That's I like mean, it wasn't. Three she actually, damage per hit. It wasn't. She rolled it. I saw it. Yeah. But I'm like, well, she's never going to make a character this good again. <laughs> You're retiring at age 12. This is the one you get. I, she uh, did. That was her last game. <laughs> I got my partner to... Uh, who also loves Dungeons & Dragons, is currently running uh, one of the AD&D like, starter dungeons for me. Oh, fun. Uh, it's kind of her first um, interaction with DMing. And uh, I rolled a battalion of AD&D characters. <laughs> and only around like seven or eight do I start getting into the stats good enough where I could play like minotaurs. <laughs> I have a minotaur ranger. I have to kill five characters before he can show up. But I have a minotaur ranger. So is this um, kind of like playing the like random selections in a MOBA where you just kind of run yourself into the main room five times and then Minotaur? So I feel like what we should... I feel what, like, that's I feel, I feel like the side point... Uh, we need no, we're going to ARAM ourselves. Let's do it. That's less of a weird reference than the fact that in earlier editions of Dungeons & Dragons, you had to have stats high enough to take a class or a race. Yeah, you roll your you dice know, and you're like... I'm that not. makes sense to me. These, this shit's difficult. You gotta be talented. No, I don't know. The, the, the racial thing doesn't make any sense. Cause... Well, that's literally racist. So... <laughs> Let's not get into that. Alex, I don't want to spit my water across the table, please. Hey, I'm not what the only one who's going to choke to death in this episode. 
Um, in the long cut, we're gonna hear Alex die. That's the director's <laughs> cut, and that's me. Yeah, we're gonna re- we're gonna release that for like uh, backers or something. <laughs> also, on that note, I've been making terrible noises throughout this because my body is still recovering. <laughs> I literally breathed orange juice for about three seconds. Yeah, he worked down it about was real bad. He worked down about twelve ounces of orange juice through the lungs. So. Most uh, of it came back out. I got self-inflicted <laughs> pneumonia. No, okay. but it's healthy. It cleaned you right up. It's got well, vitamin so, C and some acid. To circle back about the, you can't get a cold if you're dead. <laughs> circle back about the the skill checks. And my gripe with 5th edition is I, um, most of my time, I may have started in sec- uh, AD&D 2nd edition, mm-hmm. um, but most of my time was spent in 3rd, firmly, yeah. mm-hmm. and I was... You're all about by which, skills. By which we mean, yeah. we did not convert to 3.5 when that came out. No, we didn't. <laughs> we aggressively resisted that change. We were trenchant. And I was... When I, I found a modern version, it was 3.5, I actually skipped 3rd entirely. Um, well, I, I do love 5th for the options it gives the players. I was absolutely heartbroken the first time I looked at the character sheet by the lack of skills. Because it I felt like it kind of really narrowed down the kind of things you could do with a character. Because I want, like, is climb still a skill? I'm not looking at a character sheet. No, no it's, it's all just, it's just Yeah, athletics. see, that's lame because I'm, I'm pretty, I run week, like every, you know, every couple days a week and... I don't climb, and I'm really bad at climbing. I think if I try and climb a tree at this point in my life, I'd just like kind of roll over and die at the base of the tree. Well, we invented chainsaws. The well, yes, but what I'm, what I'm saying is I could probably climb it pretty well, but with the, the loss of like skill specificity with fifth, I thought that was a detriment. Yeah. Are um, you the kind of guy where sneaking should involve four different skill checks? No, no. Two. Was two. it just two? Move silently. Yeah, hide and move silently. Yeah. Look. They're very different skills. The Okay, that, we're coming back around here. That's a non-combat encounter, and the and the important thing is the way you adjudicate it. Because it's not about just rolling a bunch of dice, at least in my opinion. Mm. The reason in 3rd edition uh, Dungeons & Dragons... We're going to use Dungeons & Dragons for a lot of examples, because we've played a lot of games in our lives, but we've mostly played D&D. Also, Even Odd says it's the game you're trying to run anyway. Say, and so. also it's the single most popular role-playing game, tabletop role-playing game at the moment. Yeah, And also, even the... And also, pretty much every game that we've played that wasn't D&D in some way took inspiration from it. Yeah. Fair point. Look, odds are it's either that or one of the Apocalypse World games. But anyway. Mm, Warhammer. Mm. Um. Look, no. The Warhammer, Warhammer definitely. The Warhammer D10 yeah. games are the best ones. But we're getting a little specific here. Play them. Cubicle mm. 7, please put out print editions of Warhammer 2nd Edition. Why won't you respond to me on Twitter? I'll buy them three times. <laughs> I'll buy so many copies. <laughs> I just want Children of the Horned Rat without having to pay seventy-five dollars. <laughs> um, okay, so good games, games we enjoy. the 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 point is more about how they're adjudicated. Uh, if you're just playing the game and you go, all right, you're going to sneak over there, roll hide, roll move silently, roll search, roll spot, so you can see if there's anything over there. That's boring as hell. You're going to want to roll move silently because you're moving. You may be going to roll, want to roll spot because you're keeping an eye out. Mm-hmm. Uh, the enemy's going to roll spot. There's pro- there are, at least in the edition that we were playing at the time, there are penalties for spotting at distance. Mm-hmm. If you spot the bad guys before they spot you, you're going to want to hide. Hiding is not something you could do while moving most of the time. You, it's, 
it's a it's a challenge and it's thoughtful and you have to um like go through the okay i'm moving up i'm being quiet but i'm already in the dark so i don't necessarily have to hide because i'm it's like a huge penalty spotting me anyways i see that guy uh i have to decide if i'm going to sneak attack him or try to sneak around him it's and, you know yeah. stealth is actually would be a really good example of still having a very traditional initiative based roll a bunch of dice action round that doesn't directly involve hitting stuff. Yeah. I cannot believe that I did not put stealth on non-combat encounters or scouting. Yeah. Well, yeah, but, but because when you think of stealth in a game, you're like, oh yeah, stealth as a prelude is, to combat. Usually yeah, it's what point. I do so I can get a sneak attack on my first hit. Like, but you could just have a stealth game. Like, you could build a character that is just about getting around the combat. Because surprisingly, if you see an enemy, you don't have to kill it. I and, built a, uh, actually, no, I built a kobold rogue whose entire premise was never having to fight anybody. He did kill a lot of people, but, uh, oh, Dude, the next time we get back in your D&D game, I built a fucking journalist, okay? Yeah. Yeah, you're not gonna like him. He doesn't have a weapon. He's just gonna run a lot. Johnny Normal Legs. <laughs> That's better but, than my initial name. I was gonna call him, uh, Louis Hewis of the News. <laughs> No, it was his uh, his alternate like information gathering. Oh yeah, Derek McNormal Legs. <laughs> but he's on, the halfling. For on the making on making non combat encounters more more interesting than throwing a lot of dice, like mm-hmm. a stealth mission with a given party with a traditional party composition, is going to be one player, right? Yeah, so yeah, because you can only have two. Maybe, maybe if you have a ranger, two. you can't have four <laughs> dudes sneak in. That's yeah, not going to work. But my, I know. My point is, like, yeah, you can have them throw all these dice, but. For me, a big part of the fun of D&D is the performative aspect. Mm-hmm. And if you lean into that with your non-combat encounters, no matter what they are, it makes it fun for the people in the table, at the table, and not just the player rolling the dice. Because, yeah, that guy, if he's just rolling dice, he's like, oh, 20, 18, whatever. He's having a good time, but everyone's sitting there looking at their phone or... Stacking a, dice. Stacking, stacking dice, dice, generally, or playing a mobile game. And if you have him giving like this kind of full-on like fucking Mission Impossible explanation... At least that way, everyone's engaging and kind of thinking about what it looks like in in the world, and that's ideally what you want from a non-combat encounter because combat's visceral and it's punchy and it's designed to be that way. And enforcing a kind of official, not official requirement to actually role-play non-combat encounters yeah. can make it fun for everyone, not just the guy who's trying to talk a guard into letting him into a castle. I feel like, and I can't believe this just occurred to me. I feel like the the most important part of creating non-combat encounters that are engaging is making sure there are choices. And that can be everything from you're making a stealth encounter and you have the choice of does this guy sneak up on the guard or does he try to sneak around them to like puzzles which are obviously full of choices and it's just the, the players trying to, to sort through them. That can even come up in dialogue a lot, which is another reason to avoid the whole I use persuasion because... What the hell are you saying to him? With this, like, dialogue should have infinite options. You're just saying things. Can we can we take a moment? Uh, I feel like we, as DMs, yep. this is me speaking directly to you, the listener, and the two folks at the table with me. We need to pull back on natural 20s. I have personally had to deal with too many people who are making, like, oh, I tell the king that I'm his treasure inspector he forgot he hired, and then roll, and then get a 20, and then go, oh, no, I rolled a 20. He has to believe me. No, the thing you said was stupid. Natural 20s only 
matter in the rules or critical hits or whatever there are in your system. Only matter in the rules, usually for combat. Shut up. I would limit it into combat. I think yeah. that's a good that's a good yeah. stance to take, honestly. Because uh, think about your lifetime, however old you are. Think about talking to someone you didn't particularly want to talk to or you're nervous to talk to. How many times in your entire life have you rolled a natural 20 and it actually was a natural 20 and you didn't come off as some kind of weirdo or a dickhead or something? It's completely possible to absolutely nail something to the best of your abilities and still fuck it up. Especially yep. in social com- in social areas. like you know, and, I, in, and in technical areas. And in technical yeah. areas. Like, I am a firm believer that games should have things you can't do. Yeah. Like, it's not for the sake of railroading or limiting your players. It's just, that shouldn't be possible. It's not fun if you just have this godlike ability to solve everything immediately. I have two thoughts on that, and one is yes. <laughs> uh, three thoughts on that. One is yes... Two is definitely things that you can't do, but maybe not usually things that no one can do. That's well, fair. Yeah. Uh, and the third one is, uh, I've definitely seen this a lot in DMs, and I can't recall being guilty of it myself, because I quite like we'll it. We'll be the judge. But um, I've seen a lot of people, a player will have a character who a situation comes up that their character has been specifically built to handle. Right, and the DM will kind of overrule them because it was too easy if they did it that way. Mm, Whether okay. it's a no, you're right, you haven't done that. Yeah, yeah. you should not do that. Like, you should not pull rank. A, a GM should never pull rank on someone and just be no, you can't do that. There's better ways to go about that. This uh, kind of gets me around to traps. Actually, I grew up in the olden days when a trap was a puzzle that wanted to kill you and you had to figure out a way to get past it instead of just a dexterity check check to make yeah instead instead of roll disable device and see or thieves tools or whatever the fuck it is these days no to be yeah. fair you can still incorporate the old way into games but a lot of it is going to come down to your ability to write flavor text well yeah but also it comes down to the ability of the players to figure out a way to reasonably stop a trap because if something if something's going to kill you, there's usually something you can do about it. If the ceiling's about to collapse, if the, you, oh man, I found a trap. If I walk forwards, the ceiling's going to collapse on me. And if you start bracing it, you know, you're good. Yeah. Oh, there's like horrible death blades that swing through the hallway and cut people in half. Well, I'm going to wedge something up there. To Only the penitent men shall pass! <laughs> or whatever it was. Or you shimmy along the ground. Yeah. Like... Oh, yeah, my, char- my character's six inches tall. Uh, or my ser- my character's body is six inches thick because I'm a kobold. I'm gonna hide in this corner yeah. and like scooch along. I'm more used to I'm more used to that. The rogues in AD and D had a like disable trap skill, which is gonna bring us into the um, potential mechanical allowances. But rogues had a put had a disable trap skill, but it started at like a like fifteen percent success rate. Like you could roll that, and if you got a fifteen, if you got a fifteen or under, your rogue figured it out. And now, they, how would a failure work there? Could you have a false positive? You can in third edition onwards, but not in AD and D. I feel like, but see, that's another one. Um, for being a GM, an important thing is fuck the rules if need be. Yeah, like yeah. I like the idea of someone is super paranoid and. If you have that player that's like, okay, you enter the bathroom. I check for traps. Why? Every now and then, 
Let them find something. Yeah. Let them panic. It's a hey, lot of fun. Your dad probably didn't do this to you. He probably did. Oh. But, again, Swag and I were kind of doing it for ourselves. Um, rot grubs. Hmm? I can't say I got that one, actually. Yeah, rot grubs are a AD&D monster that live in fecal matter and burrow into your skin and kill you. I don't know. That's well, just a game thing, right? That doesn't exist in real life. I can sleep. I mean... That doesn't exist in this part of the world. Okay, cool. Well, much. Um, well, the Texas got something, right? Poop doesn't kill you. Yeah, no, we're more about well, scorpions. Well, I mean, that pig uh, farm did explode. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> okay, poop doesn't kill you without some other additional factor. Also, fuck scorpions. I've been to the hospital at least twice because of them. How have you been that close to that many scorpions? He, he's uh, south of San Antonio. Like, um, no, yeah. fucking farm town, dude. Yeah. yeah. No, nah, they just they just live in beds around that area. <laughs> yeah, he's he's dry. Yeah. We're uh Swaga and I grew up in the coast of Texas, so it's a lot wetter and we had to worry more about stingrays and jellyfish than scorpions. Yeah, but they can't get into your bedroom. They cannot, which is why it was less of a problem. Yeah. Yeah, it's nothing like having a bunk bed and just waking up and being like, What's that? There's a scorpion on the roof. Now I'm just thinking about having a Portuguese man of war at the top of my bunk bed and I'm really scared. You're truly an adult. It would the... fill the whole room. They're yeah, like sixty feet long. Yeah, they are. Look, if you're a beat if you're beach folk and you'll understand this if you are, and otherwise this is a weird sentence to make. You are truly an adult the first time you accidentally walk through jellyfish strands and then go you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to keep... This isn't my day. Just go. I'm just going to keep going. Yeah. Yeah, I can't say I got that. I've only been stung once, and it was basically the end of the world. <laughs> <laughs> How the hell do you deal with that? It's the worst thing. What you do is you're out in the second sandbar surfing with your dad, and you reach down, and you get a handful of sand, and you scrub it on your leg. Yeah. And then you pretend it worked. They, ra- <laughs> they wrapped around my legs... But I was having such a... It was one of the few times I was having a nice time on my birthday. And I was <laughs> no, I'm good. I'm good. I no had, way. like, the lines. But, yeah. you know, whatever. I'm you good. You the lines. Yeah. So where were we? Uh, we were talking about uh, mechanics versus... Uh, versus... Narrative. Okay. And, like, you can... So you can describe a trap... And then if your players come up with a good way to disable the trap, you're good. If you, you can also describe, uh, and I've talked about this before in a blog that like half a dozen people have read, including one of my friends, which was really weird, because <laughs> they read it without knowing it was mine. Huh. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, your roommate used to read my blog before she knew that it was mine. Huh, small world. Yeah. Huh. Um, but uh, you can describe a... Tr- you, what you want to do is describe a trap, but you want to... Create a scenario where it doesn't stand out. My normal rule is like three sentences of description for any room. Uh, so if you're if you come into a if they come into a place and they're like, oh, you come into a hallway, uh, it's very dark. There are uneven flagstones on the floor and um, scratch marks along the walls. If they start investigating the uneven flagstones and some of them they push them and they sink. Oh, good, they found the pit trap. Right. Um, So something I thought about skill text just now, and particularly in context of traps, you don't need a rogue to disable a trap, right? Like, if someone springs a reoccurring trap, like arrows shooting out of the wall, there's nothing stopping a fighter from putting a shield in front of it while his teammates pass. Yeah, Yeah. the the deactivating a trap using Dungeons & Dragons here is that only rogues can do that, but what they're doing is getting down there and, like, 
physically messing with the mechanisms to stop it from going off. But you can mitigate a trap as any class. Yeah. And put two boards over a, like, put two 12-foot 2x4s over, <laughs> over a pit and, and just walk across it. Yeah. Or if there's, like, a tripwire, someone can just throw a rock at it from 20 feet away. Or just everyone steps over it. Yeah. And that's a meaningful combat, non-combat interaction. A player that doesn't necessarily have the skills to handle, like, Disable Trap... Well, they can still solve the problem, and I think that's something as a GM you have to be prepared to deal with because oh god, you can build a situation where your party can't deal with it. You and I may not have thought about it ahead of time. Mm -hmm. Uh, Um, To go off that, the big rule of thumb here is that any good situation should have a way to solve it without having to roll a die. Like you can always use a skill check to get around something, but there should always be a way that you can just intuit or talk your way out of a non-combat situation. Now, the story I have about that is I was running a, like, pseudo-horror campaign. Uh, There was, like, a zombie outbreak in a fantasy place. It was fun. It was mostly fun because I made the players cause the outbreak by accident. Nice, nice. (laughs) Oh, did they rescue some, like, goblins who were being used for testing and then 28 days later happened? Uh, They found a company that was trying to start a zombie outbreak, and then they pulled the wrong switch and released it. Nice. Nice. Um, But what happened is that they had to go back into, like, the epicenter of it to try to find some MacGuffin. I don't remember the plot. And it was crawling full of zombies. I'm like, oh, this is gonna be a bunch of cool, like, stealth and spooky shit. But they had a cleric and I didn't know hide from undead is a spell. <laughs> they just walked through it like it was nothing. And See, this goes back around to my, your character is prepared for the thing. Just let them have it. Yeah, no, and no, and they yeah. went through that and then I found other shit later. And... At the time, I was furious, because I'm like, this was supposed to be, like, three sessions, I had so much stuff ready, and now, no, we're just gonna walk straight to the boss fight. But Fine. I, I bet they had a great laugh about it while they were doing it. Yeah, and in retrospect, it was amazing. Yeah. Like, I'm kind of proud of them. Because we're all, we're all at this table to have fun. I'm not, I'm not, when I'm sitting down to DM, I'm not there to dunk on my friends for four hours. Yeah. Like, I can do that in my free time. I don't need to spend my, like... Yeah, D&D no one, time to do that. No guess, one should be trying to win. I can just send mean messages to Matt. <laughs> as much <laughs> as it work. I will espouse the uh, players versus DM. It's because the DM is trying to create a world that challenges the players. Not and punish. thus creates a good story. Not a world where the DM is like, Haha, you fell into one of thousands of un- unnoticeable pit traps. Ha-ha! <laughs> you fools! You haven't read my notes! <laughs> and on that note, um, if your players just totally bone themselves, let them happen. Let it happen. There's one memorable session where we, they, where Matt was DMing, and we ignored a kind of like, I think you were DMing. Yeah, yeah. With the ghoul pile? Or was that? You fucking idiot! <laughs> I, I thought you were going to talk about like Pleasant nah, Grove dog. or the corn liquor. Nah, dog. No, um... Oh my god. We, yeah. we got a magical warning on the outside of a, a lock. Three board. magical warnings. One of you which, should have listened to at least one of them. One of which spit acid at us. One of which spit acid. One of which collapsed the hallway you were trying hallway. to get through. And one I think was a whole like a holy or a barrier. Yeah. That we decided Ugh. we could cross. And we entered this room and saw a room full of corpses and thought They found a room that had not clearly not been opened in hundreds of years. And found it was full of corpses, and there was money in there, right? Yeah. A bunch of money. As any room should. And we were like, dope, okay. And then we were like, oh, whatever killed these people 
is going to be in here. We need to hide. And I, Matt, I don't think he was, he's emoting very aggressively right now, but at the moment, I think he was so, like, shocked at our conclusion that he was just staring at us. So we decide we're going to, like, smudge ourselves underneath these corpse piles as a, as a, like, to hide from whatever killed all these people. And then he starts rolling dice, and he's like, okay, so, um, you guys are in a pile of ghouls. (laughs) And you're all paralyzed. For those who are unfamiliar, uh, Dungeons and Dragons ghouls can paralyze people by touching them. And we just wedged ourselves in a big old pile of them. Because they kind of look like dead people. <laughs> we yeah. didn't, this was a good plan except for the bad part. And the fact that they weren't decayed particularly much after a couple hundred years. Also the fact that some of them were talking to you. Not yet. <laughs> no. They, they hadn't talked to them. They had fought ghouls several times. Yeah. In that dungeon. So, yeah. If, if, you're, if your players do end up just like... The themselves in a pit I also don't feel bad about letting it happen look sometimes this shit happens and you can you should probably talk it over with them afterwards just to make sure it wasn't complete bullshit but I think Matt, Matt screamed at us that for a little while <laughs> but, a very long uh, I was gonna say conversation but monologue I think diatribe might be the word here so um, I think we're nearing the end of our topics and time. Uh, let me see. Uh, I think we, uh, yeah, we have, we've already talked about puzzles mm-hmm. and traps. Yeah, we got the puzzles, um, we brought up the idea of using roles versus not. We talked about educating, uh, adjudicating social skills and whether, like, because, okay, you got a couple of options. Um, as, when you're just talking to people, uh, we talked about, like, you know, either have them role play it out or tell you what they say if they're not quite comfortable role playing yet. Uh, there are some. Exceptions to that that I would find in specific scenarios. Uh, a gathering information type skill, you can't always like, you don't always want to be like, okay, I'm going to role play you talking to 70 different barflies until one of them has the information you want. Yeah. Um, but you you maybe want to have them roll for it and then depending on what they roll, uh, have them talk to somebody. Give them one or two, even if they're wrong. Because yeah. a failure doesn't have to be just like a... It doesn't have to be like, oh, you didn't find anything. Yeah. It can be, you were misinformed. Rumor, Lie rumors are excellent. And yes. I uh, suggest that any DM who is preparing an adventure with unknowns uh, of any kind create some false information that the peasantry in the areas or you know whoever is going to try to spread... Um, I had a, a, a thought on multi-party stealth and that A, it's easier to accomplish in 5th edition and B, there are a lot of games, especially cyberpunk, where it's kind of expected that everyone should be at least okay at sinking. Yeah, but that's... Because you're all kind of doing crime all the time. It's very mechanic, like, setting yeah. specific, though. It's setting specific, but this is the GM screen and not the DM screen. That's true. Um, Don't sue us, wizards. Yeah, do us jobs instead. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... I think that's it for me. Personally, I'm kind of against uh, I'm I'm against most social mechanics in a role playing game. Um, oration that was the other thing I was thinking of. Where like if you're if you want somebody to give a big speech, those are some of the best role playing moments you can possibly have. But not everybody has it in them. So if somebody wants to describe their speech, say, let them do this. Or if it's like three in the morning and you don't <laughs> want to get kicked out of your apartment, yeah. yeah. So that's definitely the, where it goes closer on that end. Like it's the idea of working out a social situation in person is a lot of fun. 
You don't have to. Yeah. The, uh, Give it your best effort. Spark note it. Yeah. The older AD&D rules and the game that I started playing on, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Other Strangeness, <laughs> um, I was just a confused boy who uh, thought he was buying a TMNT book and learned so much more. <laughs> they have... <laughs> they have a, a... Charisma is basically used to determine, with some additional factors, to determine NPC's initial opinion of you. Like, whether they think you're a filthy hobo or, like, a cool guy that maybe they could hang out with. And then that kind of informs your role-playing when you're talking to them. Sure. That that I quite like. Yeah. Um, I would probably do away with, if given the chance, bluff and diplomacy and probably even intimidation. And then let that kind of run off of uh, the player interactions. Yeah, but... But... Especially in 5th edition, which I have described before and will continue to describe as the best way to teach people to play Dungeons and Dragons. Or role-playing games, really. Role, yeah, no, role-playing games in general. I think if, if I was going to pick a game to start people playing role-playing games, 5th edition is a great place to start. Yep. Mm-hmm. But... The problem is not in the skill itself. It's the problem that you can use it as a crutch to just avoid doing this. Yeah. yeah. So I think the my the real thing we're getting at here is the implementation is where the issue is not I for my mind at least it's not the mechanic itself it's the implementation of how you know it's, it's how it's used yeah. at the table and as a, as a GM that's your kind of deal which don't don't be afraid to tell your players that their natural 20 doesn't get them out of going to jail for stabbing that dude. Yeah. Make make them do their best to come up with a good situation. They're probably going to still go to jail. Yeah. Unless they come up with a really good justification. Like, if it, if their answer is, my knife slipped, and also I rolled a natural 20, send their ass to jail. Yeah. But if they have Send them to meta jail first. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, the remember, guards care not for your mystical numbers. Remember the uh, Amulet of Shame? I do. Yeah. I don't. I forgot about that. Uh, so, back in the day, in my home game, we crafted the Amulet of Shame. It was made out of paper rolls... Uh, and it had a big paper circle that said shame on it that the papers <laughs> that the paper rolls and like that formed chain links uh, attached to. And if you tried to argue metagame knowledge about anything, you had to wear the amulet of shame for the rest of the, <laughs> yeah, uh, session. the rest of the session. That's an extreme example, but it's not a bad idea. I have been considering bringing it back. It's not a bad. Yeah, maybe you should. <laughs> yeah, but one of our players, who is probably the one that needs it. Plays via Skype now. I will mail him a second. <laughs> Put it on. So uh, that was what I was going to do while he was in town. Hey, take this home with you. <laughs> so as a as a quick like tail ender about a non combat encounter I went through recently with Matt's partner. It was a rogue and a barbarian. We had to steal some stuff, and I knew I couldn't steal it well with a barbarian in tow. Mm. So we followed, and this is something that GMs should always attempt to do, like give options, particularly in non-combat or social encounters. Because in this one, they had a tutor. We followed the tutor home, sort of, to a bar, and got him really, 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 really drunk. And took him back to his apartment with the help from local apartment people. (laughs) And took all his clothes. Took his itinerary and took his books and rolled up to the place we were trying to infiltrate the next day and be like, we are here to teach the children. Oh, boy. Where are 
Where where is the tutor? And I went on this big rant about the the need, children needing structure and learning in a young age, <laughs> and it was good enough for me for the me to gain access into that. And then we were in a situation where combat would absolutely not work. We didn't have most of our weapons because we were tutors, and there was a really mean dude who refused to speak who looked really dangerous in the room with us. If you'd been local, you would know that he had taken a vow of silence uh, as part of his nightly order. Yeah, yes. but that doesn't explain the glare. It, well, so to rectify the situation, we caused a disturbance outside and tried to kind of figure it out. And throughout this entire thing of trying to get these jewels that we were trying to seal and all this stuff, we did stuff like set the house on fire. Push a child down a set of stairs. <laughs> um, scream about said child going by the st- falling down a set of stairs after I apologized to him in person, and like just tried to make the situation worse without having these combat encounters. And eventually, we found what we were looking for, and I got stabbed by a magical sword. Mm. But it was a very rewarding experience for both of us, and neither of us had to roll a combat or almost any dice during that whole time. And honestly, that sounds way more entertaining than just punching some guards and running in there. Yeah, punching some guards or running in there or saying, I bluff the guards. Oh, I'm a tutor. And that was my entire interaction with that guard. I got to make up this whole spiel about how spongy kids' brains are. That one kid probably would have preferred you just made some blind rolls, though. He was fine. Eventually. They rolled da- Matt rolled damage for him. He lived, right? Now. Yeah, no, he was fine. <laughs> okay, cool. I wasn't, I, it's 5th it's, it's, uh, edition. He was fine the next day. Yeah, but the, the, the point is, it was a much more uh, enriched... Uh, it was much more textural and just fun. There was a story. And there was a story to it, what could have been boiled down to 30 minutes and some dice rolls. So when it comes to doing non-combat encounters, always shoot for that kind of... That rich tapestry of role play. You want a story you can tell people. Yeah, you want a story you can tell a group of people at your work, and they don't fucking play Dungeons and Dragons, but you roll up and say, yo, I played a game, I pushed a dumb kid down a set of stairs, <laughs> I got stabbed by a magical sword. And that's weird, but someone's going to be into it. <laughs> <laughs> and they were, and it was great. It was a fun time. So, I didn't know I was your, your uh, my game was your water cooler talk. Sometimes. I like yeah, I was like, I work in IT, so everyone I know already plays Dungeons & Dragons, so they but, got it. But the, the point is of this episode is be flexible as a GM. Give your players room to maneuver or play in the space. And as a player, don't be afraid to throw some shit out there, even if your dice roll wasn't that good. Sometimes a good explanation with the, the right mindset of the GM can give you a bonus to it. So, yeah. go for broke. It's scary, but do it anyways, because we're all idiots pretending to be elves. There's no shame here. Hey, you're pretending to be an elf. I never play elves. You're playing an elf right fucking now. First time in 28 years. Fuck you. <laughs> what about your Warhammer one guy? That's a different elf. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that'll about do it for us. Oh, God. I don't know where we're going. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. We're, we're done. Thanks for... GM. Thanks for listening. Um, we hope we have helped improve your game. And if we haven't, don't blame us. Like, comment, subscribe. This isn't YouTube. Do it anyway. <laughs> subscribe to our RSS feed? Oh, and we have an email. Yeah. Oh, yeah. As always, please reach out to us at thegmscreen at gmail.com. That's thegmscreen at gmail.com. Questions, concerns. We're no ha- complaints. I'm not taking them. I'll we're, take them. We're happy to answer your questions. We would love to have new topics. We can definitely talk about this forever, but, you know, having some direction is always nice. Always, always. nice. And that, that'll about do it. I'm, I, I guess I'm Swaga. I think you can be Robert if you want to, too but late. that hurt my mouth to say it, so <laughs> shut up, Swaga. <laughs>
Uh, I'm Matt. <laughs> and I'm Alex. And hey, thanks for listening. If roll well and don't split the party. No, that's... No. You know, I feel like that would be a good idea.